If you would uh, take your Bibles, and I figure if I asked you publicly, it'd be harder to turn down, but uh, a little, little pastoral pressure. Um, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. We're starting this, been in the midst, started last week, this series on Proverbs. How many of you have ever used one of these books? Well, it's, oh yeah, it's, uh, it's a book for dummies. You know, like fishing for dummies, or golf for dummies, or uh, DOS for dummies, or computer for dummies. How many have ever used one? Okay, a pretty good amount of us, yeah. I was looking it up yesterday. This is mine, golf for dummies. And so it kind of fits my game. And so this is what I, you know, okay, I got a problem here, so I'll go look it up. It's a great book. The first uh, uh, book written was DOS for dummies. I think it was back in 1991. Today, uh, you know, 27 years later, they have over 20 uh, categories, and inside of those categories have a bunch of different books. Like, let's say one of the categories was sports. In there would be basketball, football, baseball, fishing, fly fishing. You get the point. Just all of these different books because they were so successful. Why was this series so popular? Well, because people will say basically it takes the intimidation out of the process on whatever subject uh, you're trying to figure out, and it spells it out in layman's terms very simply. Well, well, here's what I want you to know about the series that we're in in Proverbs. Proverbs is basically the Bible for dummies. Okay? It's the ageless wisdom of God, but it makes it accessible and totally understandable to regular people like you and me. You don't have to have a, a degree from a seminary. You don't have to understand theological terms and words to be able to take it in and to be able to digest it and to learn from it. I mean, it is right there on the middle shelf for everybody, everybody to be able to read and to understand. I'm not going to ask you because uh, I was a little disappointed, honestly, for the first service. I asked this question. Uh, two months ago, I challenged you to start reading a book of Proverbs every day. Today's the 24th. Read the 24th chapter. There's 31 chapters, oftentimes 31 days in the month. Okay? If it's only 30 days, well, okay, go from 30 to chapter 1, you know? Uh, it's not real. It's not brain science. It's kind of like, well, it's Bible for dummies. It would be in there. But I've asked people to do that, and I won't tell you what the percentage of first service was. I'm not going to challenge you and ask you to do something that I don't think is important. And as we go through this, I want to challenge you with reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. Because it'll, it'll begin to make a difference in your life. And I hope that by the time we're done, you'll understand uh, the importance of it and why I'm asking you. Because wisdom is critical for life. Wisdom is simply it's what is true and what is right and is combined then with good judgment and action. Other words that would apply to wisdom would be words like this, discerning, prudent, sensible. Anybody want to be those things? Discerning, prudent, sensible. How many of you would like for your kids to grow up and be wise, discerning, prudent, sensible. Well, then get them in this book. Begin to get them 
in this book and to read it like I'm asking you to do. And I'm asking that we had a lot of students in the first service and a good number here, students. If you want to enlarge your life and your thinking and become wise beyond your ear, years and your ears, but wise beyond your ears, start reading a chapter of this a day. You're going to spend, I'll, I won't guarantee it, but most of us are going to watch at least 30 minutes of TV today. Somehow, somewhere, we'll probably watch at least one show, if nothing else, the news. It will take you 10 minutes to read this chapter today. It will take you 20 minutes to read the chapter and pick out one verse to say, I want to think on this. I want to apply this. I want to work this into my life. Why is that so important? Because knowledge, when we read, we get knowledge. That's what we know. Wisdom is what we do with the knowledge. It's the practical outworking of that. So you can read the Bible, and a lot of people do, and say, wow, it's great literature, but never embrace it and do what it says. It only becomes wisdom when you take the knowledge and you begin to apply it and work it out into your life. And that's why this reason is, a, that's the reason this book, uh, the, this, uh, the book of Proverbs is called, it's a book of probability, not promises. Because if you will do the things, if you will apply the God-given principles that are within this each chapter and this whole book, the chances are pretty good that your life is going to work out pretty well. But here's what a lot of people will do. You'll start reading this and you'll go, oh, oh, oh that's good, I like that. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't really care for that. And see, when you begin to take an exacto knife to the Word of God, you're not being wise. In Proverbs, there's four kinds of people. There's the wise, the simple, the foolish, and the evil. And when you begin to do that and not say, you know what, I'm going to embrace and believe this book, then you begin to move toward the simple or the foolish or the evil. You go, that's not very nice. Well, that's just true. doesn't mean, uh, well, I won't go into it, but uh, I'm going to talk about those different ones at some point. But I think all of us, loved ones, we want to move to being wise, wise people. The Hebrew word for, for wisdom there uh, that's used over 200 times in the Old Testament is chakma. And it just simply, if you, for our understanding, it means skillful mastery of life. So as you read this, when it talks about wisdom, it's saying this is part of having a skillful mastery of your life. The first nine church, uh, chapters are written by a father who's speaking to his son in very warm and fatherly tones, and he's trying to establish with his son the importance, and he's challenging with the theme of the pursuit of wisdom is the most important thing in your life. So I want us to look today at, at just the benefits and the blessings of wisdom. So what is God's wisdom? What will it do for us? Well, first of all, it's going to protect us. Proverbs, it'll protect you. Proverbs 2, 6, and 8 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. He's the one that gives it if you'll, if you'll apply it and embrace it. For he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of the faithful ones. Well, what do you mean? Well, like if you go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, that when sinners entice you, tell them no. 
Probably most of us in our life have had some, quote, sinner, someone who wants us to do something that would not be right. They would want us to do it. But he says, because you're a person of wisdom, you have the ability to simply say no. You're empowered. Scripture says uh, in 2 uh, Peter chapter 1 that God has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness once we embrace and walk in his life. So you begin to get wisdom, and then you get you're empowered to be able to say no. So God's, God's wisdom is going to protect you. Secondly, it's going to direct you. When you trust God, he'll lead you and show you to know his will and the ways to go if you'll seek him and pursue his wisdom. This is what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding, but think about him. Think about him in all your ways, and he'll guide you onto the right paths. So not only will he protect you, he's going to direct you. And the third thing, he's going to perfect you. Proverbs 4.18 says that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that's shining brighter and brighter till the noonday. Here's the deal, loved ones, as we walk with Jesus, because that's what brings us a righteousness. As we walk with him, it's almost as if on a hot day like yesterday, if you remember, you're walking along and the sun's coming up and it's just getting brighter and brighter. What's the idea? That you're just gaining more insight, more light from his life, more understanding of what he has for you. Because see, we go through life, we don't know and understand all of the things that we're facing and going through. But here is the one purpose. Anything you face, whether it's caused by you or simply done to you or happens around you, here is the deal. God is trying to shape you into his character and into his image. He doesn't say, oh, I'm going to do this over here to Todd because I want him to be more like me. But life happens and we make decisions and do things that come against us. And God says, okay, well, they messed it up again. So, But what I'm going to do is I'm going to work with it and I'm going to use that situation to move from knowledge and experience to wisdom so that they begin to look more like me. That's basically what Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29 says. That God is working in our lives for all of those who are called according to his purposes and love him. He's at work in them to do one thing, to conform them into the image, the picture, the mime of who Jesus is. He's always working to perfect us, not to make us perfect, but to be perfecting us to become more like Jesus. And he uses people, our history, our experiences, and our circumstances. See, that's what wisdom is going to do for you. It's going to protect you. It's going to direct you. It's going to perfect you. It's going to work in your life. So here's the question. What else will it do for me? And then the ultimate question is, is am I a wise person? Do you want to be a wise person? And if you think you are, let me give you some traits of what, the, what Proverbs says constitutes being a wise person. But let's pick it up in uh, Proverbs 3. We're going to look at verse 13. Now, basically, Proverbs 3 is about trusting the Lord and the things that when you trust him, it will produce. Again, he noticed in chapter uh, 3, there is the first words are, my son, don't forget my teaching. He says, my son, my son, listen, embrace what I give you from God because it's going to make a difference in your life. And then he begins to talk about things like trust in the Lord with all your heart. We're going to kind of touch on some of these things throughout the talk. But that you just trust God. And if you trust God, he says, you know what you're going to be able to do? 
You're going to trust God instead of yourself. And then verse 9, he talks about honoring the Lord with all of your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and the vats will overflow with new wine. What's he saying there? He's talking about when you give of your life, when you give of your resources and you put God first, he says, man, I'm just going to load you up, man. I'm going I'm to fill your barns. Why? Well, because we go back to the verses before it in the context, and he says, trust God. Trust God. Trust God in all your ways. Don't, don't, don't lean on your own understanding, but trust God. Well, then we come to chapter 3, verse 13, and it begins to talk about how wisdom births and brings some other blessings and happiness in our life. Verse 13 says, happy is a man who finds wisdom. Happy is a woman who finds wisdom and acquires understanding. For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold. Those were the most wonderful things. Verse 15, she's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. And in that day, that's what, that was the biggies in ter terms of financial success. And man, all of the jewels, all of the goodies, ah, doesn't even compare to wisdom. And I think Solomon is saying that because we understand now in the back end that wisdom, Jesus is the personification of wisdom. Colossians 2.3 says that in Christ, in Jesus, are hidden all of the treasures of and uh, excuse me, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What we see there is that you, you want to be wise, pursue Jesus and his wisdom. So as you read through this, the, the, the book of Proverbs and you begin to read and see the word wisdom, think of this is Jesus. This is what Jesus would do. This is how he wants me to live, what he wants me to apply to my life. And he says there's nothing nothing on this earth that is more valuable than wisdom. You know why? Because a lot of times wise people will get riches. You know why? A lot of times wise people will have good relationships. You know why? Wise people will know how to deal with people. Pursue it, grab it, go after it. And then he starts talking about the, the benefits. In verse 16, he says this. When you find wisdom, you have long life. Because, because it's in her right hand, wisdom, and in her left is riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all of her paths are peaceful. She's like a tree of life to those who embrace her. And here's the last verse in this little segment. It says, and those who hold to her are happy. Don't you love that? Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Happy, happy, happy. And happy, happy, happy are those who hold on to her. So what is he saying here? Well, let me do, kind of do a little flyby here. You want to have a long life, pursue wisdom, grab it, engage it, walk in it. Well, what do you mean, how's that going to give you a long life? Well, we live in some fairly extreme days, don't we? But wisdom leads us to not be stressed and to always worry. Why is that? Because we're not consumed with our plans and the plans we've got to make. And I, listen, I believe that be a planner. But sometimes we get so consumed and wrapped up in what we've got to do, what we think we're going to do, that we just add more stress and more worry to our life. And he says when you really begin to trust Jesus and you know that he's the one that's protecting and directing, 
and perfecting you. Whatever happens, you can rest, and he's involved in it. You're not always diminishing your health with worry and stress and overwork and overscheduling. And it begins to promote a long life when you begin to make better decisions because you're pursuing the wisdom wisdom of God. It's going to give you a longer life. His wisdom and not your own is simply going to produce less stress when you live on the basis of that. I have a couple of friends that I grew up with. One of them earlier in my life, whose name was Jerry. I'm not going to give his last name, but the other one was Greg Taylor who, um, and I just, in case, you never know where things can go nowadays, uh, but most of Greg's family, I'm sure, is gone because of the age when I used to run with him. Um, Jerry, I, Jerry, um, I found out, we, you know, we were grade school friends and lived across the street. I found out, well, I think when I was in my 20s, early 20s, that uh, he, he grew up in a Catholic church. There's n- uh, this is no statement about or against that in any way, shape, or form other than he had a religious upbringing. He knew who God was. But I found out that he ended up dying. He'd robbed a bank, hit the divider on a bridge, and to get away from the police who were in route to catch him, he jumped over the bridge at a, uh, in Oregon in a river and ended up drowning. Now, so, so what I'm saying is, is, is when I knew him, you know, he had a very strong religious upbringing. My friend Greg Taylor and I, we grew up and lived in the uh, same mobile home park, and we did a lot together. He started driving a couple of years before I did, and uh, he was just really kind of a wild character. I've told you stories about him before and wrestling and everything, but he, uh, one day we're driving, and we'd been drinking a little bit, him a lot, and I was not a wise kid. And I uh, was with him, and he ends up hitting a car and then gets out and takes a crowbar to the front and gets it away from the tire. We try and run away, and we get caught. He gets in trouble. I didn't. But um, he's not wasn't really all that wise. Well, we've gone to church together a few times. And so, again, he had kind of a religious background. But, again, I found out in my early 20s, that uh, he, he was the first guy that introduced me to pot before it was legal. And so, but, but he had this wild side that always pushed the boundaries. Me, I think because of my sports background, and I, I told you last week I didn't want to do anything to embarrass my dad or my grandfather, uh, I had pretty good boundaries, and I stopped there. Well, he got really involved in, in cocaine, and he ended up, uh, on kind of a binge, and he was just driving one time uh, too fast, ended up having a, a head-on collision, and he died. Here's the point, and this isn't true, but it's, it's just, why am I here? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think about that. I think it's because somehow I tied into, tapped into the wisdom of God, and I begin to have this sense of God around me and in my life that led me to just determine boundaries in my life that nobody else aside from God could have determined. Because when you make good decisions, loved ones, when you begin to press in and tap into the life of God and you sense his presence and you know he's real and he's there, it will affect the way that you make decisions and the things that you do. And that by in itself, if you really think it through, and every one of us has stories like I have, it'll lead you to longer life. How about riches? He says, oh boy, riches. Oh, I like that one. Wisdom promotes riches. 
and blessing. As a matter of fact, early on I read to you, it says it's more precious than silver, than gold, than jewels. Some translations say rubies. In previous verses to that, it talks about us honoring God with our possessions, with the first fruits, the tenth, the first part of it. He says when you do that, when you pursue wisdom and you give and you're a giver and you give to God and you give to others, you know what? You're going to be able to begin to experience incredible blessings. Here's the question I have for you. I'm going to kind of crowd you in a couple of places this morning. But can you say that God is the overseer of your resources and finances no matter how much you have? Can you say, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he is. He oversees it. He knows it. He's got. He's in charge of it. I saw an old bumper sticker years ago. It said this, God is my business partner. I always thought, what would it be like to pull him over, you know, get their attention, pull him over and ask him, hey, how much are you investing in your partner? You know, <laughs> how much are you really giving? Or is he kind of like a, or is he just like a silent partner, you know, and it makes for a nice bumper sticker. Because see, wise people, loved ones, understand that God is the overseer of my resources, my time, my talents, my energy. And that when I begin to rest in him and trust in him, I understand intrinsically and spiritually that everything is systemic to him. And he's what makes the blessing of my life possible. Yeah, work hard. Good. You need to do that. Proverbs are going to talk about that. But the wise understand that ultimately we look to the blesser because he's the one that blesses us. And I believe that hard work has blessing and everything else. But ultimately, it's going to be because God is the blesser. Because I see a lot of people that work hard that may not be as far along in some areas financially and everything. But God is still blessing them. Because we're not really talking simply about resources and finances. We're also talking about spiritual blessing and emotional blessing that God brings because that's the totality of what God wants to bring to your life and to mine. Let me tell you about a few people. William Colgate, he gave throughout his life. He was a successful businessman who established the Colgate uh, brand and uh, products. When he first started, he, he gave one-tenth of his finances. Then he gave two, and then he gave three-tenths. And then uh, over time, it worked up to half. He ended up, through the rest of his life, giving half of his income to the work of God in the world around him. During the latter days of his life, he revealed why he started doing that. When he was 16, he left his home. He'd been working in a soap factory, and he ended up leaving his home to go to New York because he wanted to establish a bigger factory on his own and soap products. So he's going along, and he's riding along in a, in a boat on a canal, and just out of the blue, this guy starts talking to him. He says, well, what are you, what, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm going to go start a soap factory. And uh, let, let me give you the quote that the man said to him. He said, someone will soon be the leading soap maker in New York. Okay, listen, because you can be that person. But you must never lose sight of the fact that the soap you make has been given to you by God. Honor him by sharing what you earn. So William Colgate started tithing because he recognized that God was the giver of all that he possessed, not only of opportunity, but even of the elements that he was using to manufacture his soap products with. J.C. Penney, he was fr friends with the Reverend Norman Vincent Peale and supported his ministry. He actually, Vincent Peale, 
ended up doing his funeral when he died. We all understand the success that J.C. Penney through the years has had. R.J. Waterno was a business magnet in the earth-moving equipment. He held many respected positions throughout his life as a Christ follower around the United States on boards and, and positions to help. He literally threw, for 30 years, he flew thousands of, uh, excuse me, flew thousands of miles every week just to be able to share his message and his testimony of what God had done in his life. Waterno, he served both God and, and humanity by setting aside, get this, 90% of his salary and company profits for God. So you can imagine how much money was there. And then him and his wife lived on the other 10%. William, J., William Johnson was the co-founder of the Holiday Inn. Him and his wife Alma were deeply involved in their uh, Memphis, Tennessee church, and they gave liberally not only to their church, but to Christian causes around. And this is what he said, I am totally dependent on God for help in everything I do. Otherwise, I honestly believe I would start to fall apart in months in everything that I did. I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak and remember the poor and follow the words of our Lord Jesus Christ who said Acts, in Acts 20.35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What's the deal? Why do I tell you that? Because all of these men have published testimonies of a commitment to Jesus Christ and how they shared their blessings with others and simply couldn't even give it away enough without experiencing more wealth. See, the things that God blesses us with, loved ones, is from him, and we're called to share it with others so that he can bless us with more, so that we're not simply a swamp that collects, but we become a conduit of blessing to and through our lives. Another thing he says, he says, I'm going to give you, wisdom's going to give you honor. You're going to receive honor because you walk in wisdom. You're becoming wise. Well, how is that? Well, you, well how do you receive honor? I think it's because you, you, you speak differently. You live differently for God and for others. Honor comes because you make wise decisions and you simply live differently. You're going to see people who are really ordinary, but they have an extraordinary honor to them. I mean, I can list names in our, from our first service. I could give you names from people in this service that get a lot of honor around here, not from me per se, but just from people around. Why is that? Well, it's because they're wise people. People go to them and ask them for wisdom. How did you get here? How did God do this in your life? And, it's, and, and, and I, I would love to just sit here and give you example after example of the wisdom because you may not even recognize who they are. But if I started talking, I'd have to go through just a whole litany of people. But when we talk about honor, it isn't like some kind of big platform, but we get honored by the people around us, the people we lead, the people in our relational orbit. Why? Well, because we make wise decisions. We walk in wisdom. We do the things that other people don't do. You know what it really means? It means we get weaned from ourselves. The people that have the greatest honor, the people that make the biggest difference in the world oftentimes, or even in a community like this, are they, they're just weaned from themselves. It isn't about them. It isn't about what they do. It isn't about who they are. It is simply that they receive honor because they honor Christ and walk in his wisdom. How about pleasant and peaceful? 
Peace always starts, friends, in our lives with a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. Because you can rest in him, you can trust him. Because you know that whatever's happening around you and in this world, he's going to do right. I may not know what's happening, I may not know what's taking place, but I know that he knows and he will always do right. I mean, it's pretty hard to have peace. I mean, hopefully the summit that we experienced with uh, President Trump and, and the leader from North Korea, hopefully, you know, that gives us a little more peace of where it could go. But there for a while, a lot of people didn't have any peace. They're thinking, oh, my goodness, they're going to be trying these nukes over there, and what are they going to do? They're going to test them, you know, headed for the United States. Now, it probably wouldn't have happened, but you don't know. A lot of people get really freaked out about that kind of stuff. But if you know God's in control, okay, if it happens, you get to see him sooner. You, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not like I'm hoping for that or any but stretch. But I mean, when you begin to change your mindset and you begin to walk in wisdom and understanding God is large and he's in charge. You know what? Okay. And then you kind of distill that down to your life. The peace comes as we pursue him and with wisdom under, begin to understand and put things together in life. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. The Lord is near. That's the preamble. That's the precursor. That's the foundation. The Lord is near. So you can be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't you agree that most of our problems come because of unwise decisions when we don't call on the Lord, we don't pursue his wisdom and his life for clarity and direction? For those of us who are Christ followers, would that be a fair statement? See, Proverbs talks about making the wise, the sim making the simple wise. See, simple is, is, when it talks about a simple person in Proverbs, it's an inexperienced, gullible person when it comes to life. They can see in the past and kind of learn from it, see what happened. They can look around in their present and kind of figure some things out, not all of it, but they really don't know how to prepare and look to the future and what they're going to do and be prepared for it. But here's the deal, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, when you live with wisdom and walk in God's wisdom, it'll gonna be, it's going to produce peace and it's going to begin to bring security because we learn from him. We know that his ways are right. And as we're walking with him and we're reading this book, it begins to teach us along the way. That's why, that's why I'm challenging you to read a chapter a day. I would love to hear stories and testimonies of as you do it, what God spoke to you and how it began to change areas or transform areas of your life. I mean, it's that practical. You cannot, love, listen, hear me, loved ones. You cannot read a day in the book of Proverbs where you can't walk away and go, okay, yeah, okay, that's true. I got to work on that. Or that's right. I got to remember that for down the road. And you say, well, I've read it through once. Can I tell you something? I do it every just about every month of every year. And here's the deal. Very seldom is there a day that it still doesn't speak to me. Oh, I've read that probably 60 times. 
But the Word of God is alive, it's active, and it's relevant, and it's present tense. And that's what it will do for you. It will begin to promote peace. I want to be like Solomon. I want to say, Lord, give me your wisdom. You know what? I, I, don't, I don't want to just be intelligent. I'm not. I don't want to just be smart. And I don't want to just have knowledge. I want to have the wisdom of God to begin to guide and to develop my life. You don't know, most of us don't even know if you, how wise we are or how, what kind of wisdom we have. And here I want to tell you that if you, if you don't pray, if you don't seek God for direction in your life, what I mean by that is here, here's how I do it. Every morning, my, my alarm goes off at uh, 545 on uh, Tuesday through Friday. No, Tuesday through Thursday. Because I, I, I push my snooze. You, anybody else do that? So what I do is for that nine minutes is I just say, Lord, my day's coming. And I just want you to help me. And I pray through my day and my appointments. I do that for about nine minutes. And then my alarm goes off again. And then I push it again. No, I... Uh, I, that's when I get up. That's my calling card to get up, and then I go in, and I begin to read the Word. That's, that's what you want. Lord, give me your wisdom. And some of you think, oh, man, that's like spooky. It's, it's, it's hokey and spooky and altogether mysterious. But, but, but th th that's the mysteries of God, where when you take your time just laying in your bed, think I want to sleep, but you begin to pray, He can begin to insert things into your mind, your thinking, and your spirit. I don't want to just be smart. I don't want to just be wise. I, I mean, excuse me, I don't, I don't want to just be intelligent. I don't want to just have knowledge. I want wisdom. And I want to have peace. And I'm finding more and more that the more I say, Lord, guide me today, the more peace and security I'm going to experience. Then he says joy and happiness. What does wisdom, how does, why does wisdom bring me? Well, you'll notice the saying there. It says, she is a tree of life to those who embrace her. You know what the tree of life is? You know where it comes from? If you read Genesis chapter 3, remember that's where Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, the forbidden fruit. See, they thought their way was better than God's. God said, no, don't touch it. He didn't say don't touch it. He says, don't partake of it. Don't eat from it. But they got a better way. We're smarter. We're intelligent. Ah, they had the knowledge. Don't eat. But they didn't apply the wisdom that says, I trust God, and I trust his wisdom. So they partake of it. And what happened? It was paradise lost. They lost God's presence of that day-to-day -day interaction, physical interaction. And then they lost the joy of being able to just be in paradise. And what Solomon is saying here is she is a tree of life to those who embrace her. You can experience paradise and joy again when you walk in wisdom, if you look back at Solomon, his communication with God, God said in, in, in 1 Kings 3, 12 through 14, because you asked for wisdom, Solomon, I'm not only going to give you what you asked for, but he says, I'm going to bring a whole dump truck of the goodies that you didn't ask for and place them in your life. Boy, that would make you happy, wouldn't it? And that's what God does. It isn't just a little bit, man. He just blesses us. I'm always amazed. You know, so many people, we get our wisdom from the news and the newspaper and the internet and the pundits and all the talking heads out there. 
if you, I, mean, I don't know about you, man, that, that drives me crazy. I don't look at the news much anymore. And I'm not against any of it. I just, and I read the newspaper. I'm still one of those people that receives a newspaper because I love it. But that's not what I'm going to build my life and my thinking around. Because I'm wondering how people, when they come, they, get, they believe everything in those areas. What this pundit said, what that show declares, what the newspaper said, what the news says. They go, oh, yeah, hook, line, and sinker, baby. I'm taking it. I believe it. And then they come to this book. And they go, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I kind of got some things I'm not real sure about. And I go, that? See, this is what's going to give you joy. This is what's going to give you security. This is what's going to give you peace. Because God says that those who come to me and believe and trust in me and my wisdom and they reverence my life, the word will benefit them and they'll experience true joy and happiness. And you look at those other things, you will be a nervous, neurotic mess if that's your focal point. So we come to this place. We see the benefits. We see what God's wisdom will do. Here's the kicker. The question I'm asking, am I a wise person? Let me ask you, are you a wise person? Or are you just smart? <laughs> I said this last service, this is off the notes, so forgive me. But, see, I, I'm not against this, okay? I mean, I'm not for it, but it's not like, you know, it used to be if you did certain things, you know, that, oh, you know, uh, uh, Christians can't smoke and chew and go with girls who do. And, um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I... It's kind of cute, but it's not true. And people used to say, oh, yeah, boy, if you drink, you'd go to hell. If you smoke, you'd go to hell. And so, but, but here's this idea of wisdom and knowledge and application. Let's just say, so I'm not making a statement about smoking, but let's just say a doctor, he tells his patients, they come in, he's got all this knowledge about how tar and nicotine and smoking affects the life. So he looks at his patient, and he goes, I want you to quit smoking. And they go, oh, okay, doc, yeah, yeah, I see my charts, I got to do that. And then he walks out on his break and what is, you know, he starts smoking. That would be knowledge without wisdom. Because let me just tell you, smoking is not going to send you to hell. It may make you smell like you've been there, but it will not. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, 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 take it easy. I'm only kidding. Don't, don't, don't write me about that because I'm you got to do what you got to do, and, um, and I'm going to repent in just a few minutes because of what, I, what my last point is, so forgive me. But how do you know if you're a wise person? Because you do wise things, you think wise thoughts. So here's a wise person. They receive instruction. Wise people are willing to receive and engage instruction in every area of their life. Proverbs 1.5 says this, a man, a wise man will listen and increase his learning and a discerning man will obtain patience, excuse me, guidance. They're going to learn. They're going to get guidance. They're going to get help. Wise people say, I don't have all the answers. If you're around somebody that thinks they have all the answers, be aware. Because we don't. The wisest person says, you know, I'm not really sure. Let's work on this together. People will come to me, and they're looking for guidance or confirmation or counsel. 
guidance and counsel is, is, is pretty easy. And, and when people do that, I want to help them. But if they're looking for confirmation, sometimes they go, oh, I got this business thing coming up and I want help. And I go, okay, great. Well, let's talk. And I just kind of don't tell them what to do ever. I just say you might consider this or that. And I've done that with a number of people at Creekside. But then there's people that come to me and they want confirmation about lifestyle things. They come in and they go, Pastor, this is what we're dealing with. We just want you to give us confirmation. We just want you to tell us what you think. And here's the problem. They'll come and they'll tell me, and I go, I'm listening, and then I start to go, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know if they really want, I mean, they, they don't want my counsel, they just want confirmation, because then I'll start to tell them what the Bible says, and then they'll go, oh, no, okay, thanks, and you know what they'll do? They'll go out and they'll do their own thing, what they already wanted to do. See, what they, it's something that's, it, you know, that's, that's not biblical. It's something that's not what God wants for them. But they want me to, quote, confirm it because then I get to be the uh, uh, go past go, collect $200, don't stop, don't go to jail. You're clear because the pastor gave you a pardon. And that doesn't work because sometimes I'll look at them and I'll go, well, what do you think God wants you to do? Well, you know, and I know it's wrong. I mean, I can give them verse in Scripture. Well, I think God, I'm different. Remember that last week? I'm different, and I think that, that, that he set this up for us. And I go, why are you asking me if God's already said that? And I know God didn't say that. See, you've got to be people. We've got to be loved ones. We, wise people will receive instruction. Wise people will hear and obey. Have you ever audited a class? You know, it's really fun. I, 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 you know, in college, I had some people that audited a class. You know, the tests would come, and they'd kind of, <laughs> hope you studied. Pop quiz would come, ha-ha, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Big assignment would come, term paper. Oh, I'm so glad I'm just auditing. And there was never really any accountability. They were just taking in knowledge, but there wasn't the application of it. And I'm not against auditing, but you get the idea of what I'm trying to share with you. Here's the question. Are you auditing God's class? Or are you really hearing and obeying? Uh, Proverbs 10, 8 says this, a wise heart accepts command. It takes it in. It moves on it. it. It embraces and engages it. When you hear from God, I mean, you come to services, go to a small group, you receive challenges, you know what to do generally, sometimes specifically, but do you do God's will in God's ways? Or do you just kind of show up and take in and you really say, well, I really don't want to walk that out. I really don't want to live that. See, wise, wise people of wisdom will follow through and they will do the test. They will do the pop quiz because you know what happens is then they'll be ready for when the big tests in life come. But see, so many Christians fall back and they fail and they mess up and they walk away because they haven't prepared, they haven't taken God's classes and begin to walk out what is given to them. Wise people build on what they learn. Proverbs 10, 14 says that the wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool hastens to destruction. Wow. What does it mean to lay up? It means that you, you just kind of layer. You get knowledge in and you store it up and it gets layered in your life. 
Here's what happens when you begin to take knowledge in and you begin to live it out and you begin to walk in the wisdom and hear the wisdom of God. Here's what happened to me. It kind of messed me up as a sinner. I used to be really good at sinning when I was younger. But the more I've walked with God, the more I've invested in this book, the more I've learned, the more that I, I, I'm going to do, I want to do that. Nope, 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 nope. I begin to hear this voice. No, not here, not that, not now. Or, yes, do that, say this, go there. Because now I've got the Holy Spirit of God that's working in me. And now I've got this layer of knowledge that I begin to apply. And as I go through life, I can almost hear the voice. Yes, no, do this. No, 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 that's off limits. And then all of a sudden, I've got to make a decision. Am I going to do it or not? And that will begin to test the wisdom of my life. Portland International Airport, I learned, has a very loud system if you go the wrong way. Some years ago, I was going to go down this little hallway as I was walking past baggage claim, and it said, I mean loud, not just a little stop, do not enter, but it was just stop, do not enter. I mean, I felt like it was God, you know, and he's like, whoa, where'd that come from? And so everybody's looking around because I got my bag and I'm getting ready to walk. Some of you, you, got, you all have a dashboard on your car. You got a yellow light that comes on and says, um, check engine. You got a gas light that's orange that says, Gas is low, 50 miles to go, something like that. See, that's the way the word and the wisdom of God begins to encapsulate our life and our spirit that we make these decisions. Am I going to go or am I not? Am I going to listen or am I going to blow through the warnings? And wise people don't do it. Some of you say, well, I, I don't know all that. I, you know, I never heard God speak to me. God begins to speak to you through your mind and through your spirit. It's not like an audible voice. And some of you, you don't know, it doesn't make sense, and you're new, and you don't have these layers within you. So you don't really know. So we can kind of give you this little um, kind of plead ignorant for now. But here's what happens when you tap into the life of Jesus Christ and you begin to walk into him, you begin to receive and take in his wisdom. I mean, life is going to get a lot harder because pretty soon you're going to hear, stop, don't go here. But you know what? That wisdom makes your life so much better because you're, you're not making as many bad decisions, doing as many wrong things that can affect your life. That's why David said this. He said, thy word, Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I've treasured your word up and hid it in my heart. What do you do with a treasure? You save it. You accumulate. You add to it. And that's what he's saying with your word. I've treasured it. I'm accumulating. I'm going to add to it. So you get these layers of knowledge of God's word and you begin to respond to it in wisdom. Oh, and then guess what happens? You become a wise person. Wise people honor life. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Let me just say, people of wisdom want to see people come to Jesus. People of true wisdom begin to reach out to people in Jesus, to lead him to them, not to ourselves, 
to our church somewhat, but most importantly to Jesus. I'm so blessed when I get your connection slips from Sunday and they have prayers. Would you pray for my brother who needs Jesus? Would you pray for my sister, my mom, whoever? You're thinking and praying about people and asking our staff to pray for them. See, that's wisdom. People need Jesus. Wise people tell others about Jesus. Why? Because when your life is filled with joy, blessing, resource, wealth, love, peace, security, joy, don't you want everyone to experience that? Especially when you see them and they're hurting and they're in pain. And the last one that I'll repent for is wise people guard their mouth. Shouldn't have said that about smoking, but <laughs> forgive me. Proverbs 11.3 says this. The one who guards his mouth protects his life. How many have ever experienced that? Where you've said something, you go, oh my goodness, my life is done. Okay? But the one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. We're going to do at least one or two weeks on our mouth because I'm going to guess that probably a quarter of Proverbs is about our mouth, our words, our tongue. If you want to do something fun, if you like to mark up your Bible like I do, just go through and every time there's something about tongue, lips, or mouth, highlight it in one color. And you'll be amazed at what God says about this issue. Now, I'm not a fan of Homer Simpson. And I don't watch his show, but he's got some really good theology in one point. I was reading the Gazette, and they have this quote of the paper each time it comes out, and this was actually in there. And I cut that thing out and put it in my journal and said, this is good. Here's what Homer Simpson says. It's simple to be wise. Just think of something stupid to say and then don't say it. <laughs> Imagine, you know what I'm thinking? Before you say something Hear yourself say it, and then you go, you know, that doesn't sound very good. And then don't say it. But here's what unwise people do. I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway. I got freedom of speech. Hear me, loved ones. What we say, how we speak, the words we use affect others. What are you posting on Facebook and I am and Twitter and all of those things? Go speak to people. What do you say to people around you? How do you speak to your spouse, to your kids? How are we doing? How are you doing? Are you wise? Well, it starts with this reverence and revering of Jesus Christ. Remember, we said last week that you turn from evil. Do we revere this Jesus who gave us his life and now we get to give our life for him? And then we begin to walk in his wisdom. There may be somebody here today that would say, I've botched so many decisions, I've botched so many things in my life with bad decisions and never pursued Jesus and his direction. But hear me, loved ones, the Bible is clear. Today is the day of salvation. Everything, every day has a new start. 
That's the preciousness. That's the power of a life with Jesus Christ. Every day is a new start. It's the first step beyond your past, but you got to make the decision. And you begin to walk with Jesus and in the wisdom of Christ. Starts with a good decision. Would you stand with me quietly, please? You can bow your heads, close your eyes, leave them open, whatever is comfortable for you. But I would be remiss if I didn't challenge you with the next step. What's your next step today? What's your, what's your next step today? For some of you, it might be as simple as just start reading the Proverbs. Because you cannot, loved ones, hear me, you can't become wise without taking in wise words. And the truth is you can't become wise without just taking in knowledge. It doesn't just kind of go poof and land on you. I read a lot of secular books. And I'm able to glean wisdom from them because usually everything out there has already been stated in here. So you've got to be taking in knowledge. Maybe some of you need to turn from something that's holding you back. That you know it's affecting your relationship with, with the wise one and it's diminishing your wisdom before your wife or before people around you. Maybe some of these areas on here, you could just say, yeah, I got to work on this. So I want us just to pray for a moment quietly in the quietness here. And you just say, Lord, and allow the Lord to speak to you. And you'll get a thought, you'll get a sense that God's speaking to you. So let's just take a moment for you to listen to him. Lord, I thank you that for the convicting work of your spirit that it's never to make us feel bad. It's simply to lead us to you to hear your voice and to walk in your wisdom. I pray, Lord, for every person here in this room that, God, you would speak to them and challenge them out of your great love for them, that we understand, like any good parent, there's things that can inhibit us and there's things that can build us. And Lord, that's what you always do. You want to deal with those things that would hold us back and Lord, place in us the things that will move us forward. So I pray, Lord, for wisdom for every person in this room. I pray, Lord, for wisdom for, Lord, our church and this community with which we are a part of. And that, Lord, we would embrace the wisdom of God. If there's anybody here today that you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, that would be the wisest thing you can do to pursue the one that the Bible says in Christ are the, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the one that died for you to give you life. And it's a simple start where you simply 
Say, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I am a sinner, and I want to follow and pursue you. And it really starts with that simple heart expression, and then you begin to walk in his wisdom, and that comes over time. And if that would be you here today, I invite you to simply make that decision. Say that simple prayer. And Lord, you're going to give each one of us next steps. And Lord, I pray we'd walk them out now because we want to become a wise people, wise individuals, a wise church. So continue to grow us, to nurture us. Thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Would you sing the song with me? I don't want to sing a solo. I'm not a solo. I'm not even a singer. But I really want us to sing this song this morning and we'll, you'll be more, now you, and then you'll know it for next week in case you don't know, but it's just really simple. In my life, Lord, be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified. And uh, how many know it? Okay, you're my choir. So let's, uh, let's sing it. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified today. In my mouth, in my mouth, Lord, You sure love. Lord bless you. Have a great day.